Hi, I'm Nat B, and this is season four of Memoria. Flash memoir adapted into bite-sized audio stories using sound effects and music. Each episode explores a moment in time that shaped a writer's life. The following story is called The Undelivered Eulogy, and it is written and read by Lynn Yowett. So Lynn, can you tell us how you came to write this piece? About 10 years ago, I started writing short pieces like this because I wanted to work out how I felt about my childhood and the violence that was part of it. And after I had written quite a few pieces, someone suggested I should turn them into a novel because they were all about the same characters, same sort of incidents. And so I started doing that and I wrote this piece originally as almost the opening scene of what was going to be the novel. So I've now completed the novel. This is not part of it. The novel is completely different, but that's how I did physically come to write this particular piece. Seventy-five years, eight months and nineteen days seems like a very short life, doesn't it? I stand here and see hundreds and hundreds of you here to grieve my father, a man so widely loved and admired. I talked to my brothers about what any of us would or could say to you all today, this day we have put aside to say our goodbyes to my father, and we agreed that I would recount two incidents from our childhood that would highlight the man our father was. Here is the first story Ken told me. One Saturday afternoon when he was 12, our father dropped Ken off at the barber's, then drove up to the bowling green to put in a little bit of practice. Ken had his hair cut, and when the barber said, that's $2.50, thank you, young man, Ken explained, as he'd been told to, that he had to go and get his father, who would come back with the money. I'm not falling for that, the barber said. You don't leave here until you pay me. Ken, starting to get a little anxious, explained that he didn't have any money, but that his father will pay and they'll be back in about 15 minutes. The barber snorted with disbelief and said, Oh yes, and who's your father then? John Yowett, sir, says my brother. And at the mention of my father's name, the barber's face lights up and he pats Ken on the shoulder as friendly as pie. Ah, he says congenially, why didn't you say so? And he holds out a jar of licorice all sorts. Help yourself, young Master Yowett, and tell your dad to just pop in whenever it suits him. Those of you chuckling probably guessed how that was going to end, because not only did everyone know our father, Everyone admired him, trusted him, laughed with him. Long-standing elder of this church, member of nearly every committee you can think of, band member, charity worker, doer of good, more pious than Christ himself. If he said he was coming back in 15 minutes to pay, you knew that he was. Now here's my second story from our childhood. It's another Saturday afternoon and I am 11 years old. I have shut the car door and I'm sobbing. The sun is reflecting off the grass in the square of lawn beside the driveway, out of which grows two wooden poles that hold up a wire, 
that he's holding up his blue overalls and white shirts and white singlets and white underpants that make me shudder. He's standing just a few feet away on the top step, his hand on the flywire door, waiting for us to leave. Waiting for us to leave before he yanks it open and goes into my brother's room. I do not look at his face. I hear my mother say from a thousand miles away, put your seatbelt on. I hear her say it, but I'm squeezed up against the door and my arms do not move. I think I'm screaming, don't let him do it, make him stop. She says again, put your seatbelt on. Now the sun is reflecting off the buckle of his belt that's hanging from his hand as if it's a snake he's just shot because he knows I hate it, knows I hate what he's about to do. He's staring at me. I cannot look at his face. I'm transfixed by the belt. My mother starts the engine even though I have not put on the seatbelt. Even though my arms are rods and my stomach a lump of black lead. He whips the end of the belt onto the concrete step and in the car seat I jump. I pull the seatbelt across my chest and click it into place. As we make our way down the long driveway, I hear the vomit yellow pebbles bouncing off the wheels. Now I cannot see him, the step, or the belt. We go past the 32 camellia bushes planted along the right side of the driveway and we turn left. Or maybe right, I don't know. I just remember that there are trees interrupted by flickers of bright sunlight and there are my tears. But what I do know is that he has opened the flywire door and walked into their room. What I do know is that my brothers are both lying on their beds naked, that he'll make them stand up, bend over, hands on their beds, arms quivering, forbidden from talking. And then he will raise the belt and bring it crashing down, possibly buckle end, onto the bare flesh of one son, and that after nine or 14 more times, he will turn around and do the same thing to his other son. Then he will walk out. And I know that when my mother and I return, we will have bloody towels to wash again. I don't know how long we drove for or where we went or when I stopped sobbing. I think it was the only thing my mother knew to do for me. I don't know whether I felt guilty or not. Did I do something that made them get into trouble? But there was a sharp sliver of hot red relief in my chest that it was not me who was bent over waiting in my room. I don't know when we returned home or what happened next. I suppose we milked the cows, said grace before dinner, went to bed, prayed. I don't know who said what to anyone. Probably no one said anything to anyone, as usual. Because we never said anything to anyone. Until today. So, for me, right now, today, 75 years, 8 months, and 19 days doesn't seem too short. What am I currently working on? I'm currently working on edits to my novel called The Silent Listener, 
which is going to be published by Penguin Random House early in 2021, which is a long way away. But that's okay because I've got lots of edits to do. My favourite place to write is actually at my desk in my study. So sometimes people say, oh, why don't you go away and write in a cafe or in an Airbnb somewhere by the beach or in the mountains? But I like writing at my desk in my study because I have everything that I need. I'm 10 steps away from the kitchen where there's everything I need. And because my day job is also writing and editing, I have a very good routine about being disciplined and sitting there and writing. And the one thing that I do that maybe not many other writers do, I don't know, I keep a record of how many hours I work on my novel, just like I do for clients' work. And I find that really motivates me because I can say, oh, I've only done three hours, that's not enough for today. Or did I really think I'd finish that whole section if I've only done three hours? So it can motivate me to do more hours. Or it can give me a sense of satisfaction that I've done eight hours today. I can stop and not feel guilty or depressed about not doing enough work. My writing goal for 2020 is to finish the manuscript for this novel. It's going to be published and that, of course, is very exciting. And because I signed a two-book deal with Penguin Random House, thank you very much, Penguin, Uh, I need to start my second novel and I've got a few ideas and I've started a couple so I would like to maybe get that to a point where I could discuss with Penguin where they wanted me to go and whether it was meeting the requirements of the contract I've signed with them. (laughs) Memoria was written and produced by me, Nat V. The Undelivered Eulogy was written and read by Lynn Yowett. Each episode is illustrated by Peter Manning. The story segment was edited by Jen Farrow. Music in this episode is by The Blue Dot Sessions. Memoria comes to you each month. You can listen to our previous episodes or see a schedule of our upcoming episodes on memoriapodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or any good podcasting platform. We also have a Patreon page. For as little as $1 a month, you can help support our work. So please go to our website, memoriapodcast.com, to make a one-off donation or visit our Patreon page. And if you love the show, please leave us a review. Each like or rating is important to us and helps us spread the word. Until next time.